And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking to my good friend, Ben Standig, and Ben said to me that he had our former colleague, Michael Lee, on his podcast, and that he started off the podcast by saying that he wanted to talk about something optimistic about the Wizards, not to be like a homer, but just be optimistic. And I posed the question to him. You know, if you're going to talk about the Wizards and be optimistic, but not be a propagandist, what would you lead off with? What would you say? So now I have been standing on my podcast. And so I'm going to ask him. uh, We're recording at 1122 p.m. after the loss to the Hornets. Everybody's hurt. Beal's hurt. Neto's hurt. Bertans is hurt. Gaffer got hurt. Everybody's hurt. And I'm going to ask you, Ben, Mr. Standig. Welcome, by the way. Welcome to what's basically your podcast now. Uh, what would you say? What is your optimistic thing that you're leading off with? Um, I'd like to say Scott Brooks's uh, walk off in the uh, press conference tonight, which was like kind of threw all <laughs> through us all for a good minute there. But not sure what happened, but all, all, all good. Um, well, I mean, I think. Because we were talking about this during the game. I mean, the the actual answer is pretty easy, and that would be Rui Hachimura, right? I mean, if you go into this uh, a season like this, and granted, you know, even I was saying that I thought if everybody stayed healthy and everything went right, they had a chance to be, you know, in the inside the top eight of the playoffs. And obviously, it doesn't look like that's going to happen, even if they get in somehow. Um, so it's a disappointing year, but like on a bro- bigger picture. The younger guys need to develop. You need to see that progress. Um, they've already traded away one of those younger guys in Troy Brown, and Denny Avdia is definitely having a hit in the rookie wall at a minimum right now. Uh, but Rui Hachimura has definitely, as you asked the question on Twitter, it does feel like he's taking, if not a leap, a step or two in the right direction. Um, he's, you know, uh, he's playing with more confidence. He's more fluid uh, at times offensively. He's got some moves. Uh, uh, to, to, to get to get offense going and like you know I'm not going to remotely be one of these people who starts saying starts putting ridiculous lofty projections based off of a handful of games but he's definitely improving and like you know for this year how things have gone that is what you need to see like you said what's the reason to be optimistic um, and now I think that's a good one Rui's last 10 games 20.2 points. rebounds. He's 53 from the field, 41 from three, 83 from the line. The free throw rate, which is just how often he gets to the line, not the percentage of free throws that he makes, but how often he actually gets there. The free throw rate is not the greatest. It's still low. He's getting there 2.3 times a game. Uh, It's actually come down from where he was at early in the year. But just based on the eye test, 
he's finishing pretty well around the rim and the overall percentages are ridiculously high. Now the jump shots aren't going to continue to go in at this level. He's in, in some ways he is on a hot streak, but he just looks better cutting off the ball. He's, he's finding teeth within the defense more. You know, I, I always felt like, and it's something that I've discussed with Seth part now, and we've never really put anything together on. And I don't know if the numbers back up what I'm about to say, but I always felt like Rui got blocked at the rim too much. Like, I always felt like his layups specifically would just get swatted. And he is finishing, he's dunking everything that he can now. He's finishing with more touch. He's he's done a better job knowing where to be when he's in the dunker spot. He attributes a lot of it to Russell Westbrook. Who am I to say that it's not on Russ? But the efficiency is skyrocketed. It's not going to stay as high as it is right now. Uh, it's 59% true shooting, 57% effective field goal percentage over this 10-game stretch, which is ridiculously high. I mean, that's really that is a really, really good number. This is the best stretch of his career. I, if you only get one leap, like people call it the leap, right? If you only get one leap, I don't think this is the leap. But if your life is a series of leaps, I think it's uh, I think it's a leap, you know? I think he's I think he's getting better. And, you know, I, I've had moments where I've been skeptical of what Rui is going to be. And I've been skeptical of the organization, uh, you know, talking about how he's a guy who could have a steep improvement arc and how it, it took a little while to see that. But, you know, if you're if you're someone who who has disagreed with me on that, you know, this is this is your time to talk a little crap to me because he he's looking good. He's looking really good. And like same with you. I'm not I'm not declaring he's some, you know. I'm I'm not declaring we're about to see the you know I'm not, I'm not declaring the Kawhi comparisons are legitimate yet you know Kawhi's a top five player that's not what we're talking about here but he has been he has been he has looked like a different guy he's progressing he's doing it in a different way uh very encouraging for the long term very encouraging for the long term this is this is good stuff that he's doing right now um, well first of all I just want to say. I really hope life is a series of leaps because if it's just a leap, I must have missed mine at some point, and I'm really hoping that's not the case. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I actually did make some strides here during this pandemic. It's given me time to reflect on a few things and get some crap straightened out. But I, I better. I hopefully there's more room for for, for jumping because hey, my, my daily leap is from like like my bed to my lazy boy at this point, and that's that's where I'm leaping from these days. Uh, yeah, there is, uh, there, there is that. Um, yeah, you know what? I mean, look, I mean, uh, you know, look, we, we always talk, at least, you know, we, we end up talking big picture a lot about the wizards because the small view is not very exciting, you know, battling for the 10th seed or, or whatever's going on here. Um, the bigger picture view is if Rui Hachimura is a guy who that next year they can count on, and I don't want to put stats on anything, but if he's a guy you can count on, to be a consistent performer on both ends of the court to go with a healthy Beal and a healthy Westbrook. And obviously they're going to have to figure out some things, uh, you know, what, what, what are they going to do at center, you you know, and, uh, so, you know, but they also have this potential, uh, this lottery pick will just say, who knows where it'll be. Um, you know, plus, you know, you know, Denny Avdia, you know, the confidence he was showing earlier in the year is kind of waning right now. 
this this does happen, as Scott Brooks said tonight. So, you know, presumably we'll see a better version of him next year and we'll see what else to do in free agency. And like, again, I'm not getting like getting crazy, but this is how you talk yourself into the Wizards being at least interesting next year, you know, in terms of making the playoffs or whatever. It's stuff like this. And I will also say from a bigger picture perspective, I think I've mentioned this before, but, you know, I don't think we know exactly what's going to happen this offseason in terms of uh, the coaching situation and the front office and all that. And, you know, who knows? Maybe it's a, just a clean the house situation. But if if there's an actual evaluation of Tommy Shepard, I think that Rui Hachimura one is the big one to consider because he basically, you know, th- there have been several interesting moves over the last couple of years. I'm assuming the Russell Westbrook, John Wall trade ownership signed off on that, if not pushed for it. Uh, at a certain point. Therefore, the draft picks are the things that the GM, to me, are the big things that he's going to get judged on. Anybody reasonable would give him a pass on Denny just simply because it's still early, and Denny was largely fine most of the year. Um, but Rui was, you know, well, you know, we weren't getting a ton. We are more lately, and if this keeps up the rest of the way, I think that's a pretty fair thing to say, hey, you know, the, the, not everybody agreed with that pick, and Rui Hachimura is looking like a good thing. So, um, you know, I, I think that would bode well for Tommy Shepard if there is to be some sort of evaluation or, or anything along those lines. Yeah. I mean, he's been good, man. He's been good. I, I don't even want to make any grand plaque proclamations in any direction. You know, in the spirit of Russell Westbrook saying the media says what a guy is and that's what he's stuck with being. I don't even I don't even want to make any grand proclamations on on what this means. It's 10 games. There's no reason to. But he's been very good over these 10 games. He just had 30 on on Tuesday night against Charlotte on 12 of 24 shooting. And he was good and he was moving off the ball and he had a catch and shoot three buzzer beater with a really quick release and it looked fluid. Uh, he's he's, you know, hitting his his mid range shots off the dribble. We knew he could do that again. He's hitting those at a higher rate than he's going to over the course of a year. He's not going to shoot 55 percent from th- from mid range over the course of a season. Nobody does that other than KD in a career year. That's the only time that happens. But. You know he's a good mid-range shooter. If the three ball comes and he ends up being a 37, 38% three-point shooter, he's able to take five of those a game. You know, it doesn't have to become the the main point of his game, but the the other smaller things are coming. If he is going to be the number one guy in an offense, what he needs to do is, number one, he needs to develop the handle. And number two, he needs to develop his passing. A lot of it is decision-making with the passing. It's not just like assists and facilitating. It's it's decision-making whether he has the ball or not. The off-ball decision-making has gotten a little better. And the handle is is not there. You can tell when he gets defensive rebounds and pushes in transition that he's he's hesitant about the handle. It's, it's, it's high. It's not shifty. You know, we'll see how that develops. Lead ball handlers, when you see guys make real leaps, like true leaps, like Bradley Beal level leaps, it's always in the handle. With Giannis... In the handle, you know, with all these guys who make these giant leaps, Paul George tightened his handle. All these guys, it's 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 their handle. So many of these guys, and uh, you know, Rui, I don't think it's not fair to guess he's going to be that kind of player. I don't expect that at all. We're talking about those, you know, top level players, but that's how those guys made those leaps. And you know, if you're going to be, if he's going to be a guy who uh, you know, like the way the way they talk about him on the broadcasts and stuff. Uh, if he's going to be that, you know, the handle has to come. So, um, 
you know, we'll see where it goes. But there's, you know what? 11 minutes, more than 11 minutes of Wizards Optimism. How about that? Um, definitely a record with me on the podcast. So that's pretty cool. It's always nice to, you know, to, to set to set a new uh, a new mark, a new standard. Pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy that they're after tonight. I guess they're two and a half games back of 10th in the East and, and coming into tonight, you know, they had the easiest remaining strength and schedule in the league. Like they, they could, they could get in. It, it's, it's amazing watching the Rui stretch come now because the, the offense is just, it's so weird hearing them talk about, yeah, you know, cause whenever they talk about the defense being good or the defense, I'm sorry, being troubled, they say something about how, well, you know, offense isn't our problem. It's always some kind of line like that. And I don't know if it's just kind of the, because it, it's it's only human to compartmentalize and say like, okay, we're, we're the team that is the offensive slanted team. They are offensive slanted, but offense is their problem. You know, I know they have injuries tonight. I know, but... You know, I know Beal's not there. Obviously, that hurts you a ton. I know Bertans is out, but it's not like Bertans was having the same season he was coming into the year. Can, can I tell you that like, I was watching the like I, as you know, uh, I have not been watching much the last two weeks between free agency and the NCAA tournament and just whatever. But like watching the game tonight, I swear I forgot that Bertans was hurt. That's how that's how not much of a factor I'm viewing him right now. I mean, the lack of shooting they have on the roster is just amazing. And when for some reason, for some reason they played Jerome Robinson 36 minutes when Garrison Matthews is right there. I don't really know how Garrison Matthews went from starting 15 or 17 or however many games he started to playing 12 minutes when Beal and Neto are hurt. He's the only guy in that. He's the only guy in the rotation, the only guy in the rotation who has a three-point percentage above league average. He is the only guy in the rotation who's an above-average three-point shooter when Neto and Beal and Bertans are all hurt. Who like, is, who is? let me ask you this, besides Matthews, who's their, who's their second-best three-point shooter who played tonight? Um, Cassius Winston. Yeah, <laughs> like, legit. Oh, is that right? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Well, like, like I'm, I, I'm a believer, like, especially in what looks like a short circumstance with Beal. Hopefully, um, you know, if you have people in certain roles, especially bench guys, like some people just do come up, do perform better off the bench. I'm a believer in sort of leaving people in those roles and then maybe bringing somebody deeper in the rotation into the starting lineup. But that doesn't mean you play them 36 minutes. Like the idea, like I mean, if the, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. If the goal is to win the game. I don't how many minutes did Matthews play? Matthews played 15 minutes and so, and Robinson played 36. Yeah, I mean, let me not turn Matthews into Chris Mullen, but like he's a guy who's obviously been you've been starting him. You he's been playing. He's like you said, he's a he's a one guy that can can make a shot. He plays with confidence, all that stuff. You know, if you say just at a basic level, who's going to be on your team next year? Garrison Matthews, yes. Jerome Robinson, I, I was gonna say, I would, you know, don't buy, don't, don't send your laundry out. You know what I mean? Uh, and yet that, yet you're playing him. Like on no level does it make any sense. Again, if you want to start him, 
to leave if you'd rather have Matthews come off the bench, I'm fine with that. But the minutes have got to be switched, 36 to 15 the other way. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't really understand, especially when I asked Scott Brooks about it after the game. And he said, yeah, you know, when the healthy guys come back, you know, Robinson's going to go back to not playing. I, I He said he prefers Matthews off the bench, which, again, I'm fine with. Starters are kind of overrated. It's fine. It's more about minutes distribution and how many lineup, you know, how many players you play with how many lineups. I'm not saying starters aren't important. They are. They're just a little overrated. Minutes distribution and what kind of lineups you play throughout the course of the game, who you close with, all that stuff is more important than starters. If you start the right guys and then play all the wrong lineups and rotate everybody wrong and play the wrong closers, that's that's worse than the opposite, you know? So yeah, it's 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 really weird to hear Brooks be like you know, say he played solidly defensively and 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 say he's playing all right and hasn't shot the ball very well and 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 yet see the minutes break down. I don't know. I I don't is it possible I'm misreading this and this is a stealth tank? I do not think it's a stealth tank based on the way that they uh Based, based on the way that they handled the trade deadline. Like why would you keep Bradley Beal and then tank? Why would you keep Robin Lopez and then tank, you know, uh, I just, it's, I don't, it's I, 100% not a tank. Yeah. I mean, also if you're going to tank, you tank with the right guys. I mean, you, you give, you don't, I mean, they didn't pick up Jerome Robinson's fourth year option. You know, there Matthews is a guy who I think they'd like, he's a free agent after this year, but I think he's restricted and I think they would like to make him part of their future. I would not be surprised if he were back. As a matter of fact, I think I'd be surprised if you weren't back. You know, if you're tanking, you're playing Bonga, right? You're not playing. You're not playing Robinson. I don't know. It's just weird, man. You're playing Chandler Hutchison if you're tanking and seeing if you have anything there. Like, yeah, I mean, Anthony Gill is playing. You're using Robin Lopez less. I mean, whatever. Um, and also, I mean, like we know the whole thing has been they're trying to make the playoffs. So, um, yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense. I would just chalk it up to. Scott Brooks's rotations almost never make sense to me. I mean, like, if 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 if, if, I'm, if I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he wants to bring Matthews off the bench and get him established in that role, cool. But then, you know, what was happening here for the last 15 or so games? You just decided this now at the point when um, you do have some injuries, you trade Troy Brown. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. But, yeah, I mean, uh, not a tank. It's just odd. What did you think of the trade, by the way? I haven't had you on since the deadline. I had DA on after the deadline. We're talking about how you were the man known around town. What? Uh, uh, this is true. <laughs> what, um, what did you? So, so Wizards send out Troy Brown, send, send Troy Brown to the Bulls, send Mo Wagner to the Celtics, bring back Daniel Gafford, who unfortunately got hurt, played, played really well for a game and a half. And then sprained his ankle and is now going to be reevaluated in 10 days, the team just said, uh, which doesn't mean he's back in 10 days. It means he's reevaluated in 10 days. And they brought back Chandler, Chandler Hutchison also. Um, what's the Ben standing analysis here? I got to hear it. We haven't even really talked about it that much other than our slack. I like Gafford. I, I mean, I uh, I remember the year he came out, you know, uh, you know, I try to, you know, do some you know, uh, you know, digging into those things at that mock drafty kind of stuff at that time. And, you know, I remember Gafford uh, being told by somebody that, you know, there was teams that were considering him in the first round and, and, you know, you had kind of heard some of that leading into it. And ultimately he didn't go in the first round. And then when you saw him play, 
you know, again, not not saying he's Shaq, but you know, he's definitely a lively body. He he's he's energetic. He gets up. You know, I mean, he is a, he is a, a a type of player the Wizards really haven't had much lately. You know, a, a big man who can get above the rim. You know, I mean, the Javale McGee comparisons. You know, minus the uh, hopefully minus the uh, wayward ball handling up the court. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, kind kind of makes sense. And I think, you know, one of the you know we, we we've talked. You know, to some degree, it's like, well, what is Troy Brown? Like, the, you know, you know, you obviously talked about a lot. Does he have any value? Like, you know, it's kind of like not really. And it was just a matter of, I guess, as as was, we discussed, like, uh, and you wrote about, you know, was there a situation in which the Wizards could uh, get somebody else to be like, eh, we're kind of frustrated with this situation, but we'll take your thing. And I kind of like Gafford Hutchinson. Didn't really know much about it, other than he was a first-round pick, and I don't think he had done too much. So that one to me was a total wild card. But for Gafford, I, you know, especially considering the Wizards' center position, I thought that was a worthy, uh, a worthy shot. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, he's talented. I I see why people would like him. I see why the Wizards would like him. He's He's really athletic and he jumps really, really high. And there are a lot of guys that are like that now but if you can actually develop a legitimately good one you know i think kind of in a worst case scenario i don't know who's he gonna be worst case like he's he's gonna be a solid enough backup center right i mean as long as he stays healthy and can stay on the floor and maybe learns a little more i shouldn't say that's the worst case that's not really the worst case but his realistic case is what like you can make a realistic argument. He becomes Nerlens Noel, right? That's not his worst case. That's a that's a realistic case. If you want to talk about who could he become here, he could become Nerlens Noel. You know, yeah, Nerlens Noel with better hands, he could do that. And even if he's never a starter, like he just doesn't develop into that type of player, like he is the type of guy, the type of big man that I like coming off the bench. Energy, shot blocking, above the rim, like you know, he he does some specific things, and you know, not it doesn't always work this way, but you like to kind of view your bench as, you know, helping you, you know, uh, you know, it's like I said, bring some, have a pulse coming into the game and he would be that type of guy. So, you know, I think that'd be interesting. And plus like on this team specifically, you know, he's got the, 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 uh, the, the that energy I keep saying to, to play with Westbrook, I would think. And that would go well, you know, I, I could see that being some sort of, I don't know if pick and roll is, is the right way to phrase it, but like, you know, some lob situations for sure. So, uh, yeah, I, I think he's interesting in all things considered, considering how Troy Brown, you know, seemingly was a completely devalued asset based on how they've been using him to get somebody who, again, I'm not saying they've solved their center position, but to get somebody who looks like could be a rotation piece. Again, uh, whatever Chandler Hutchinson is, you know, he looked great in the first game today, not, not as much. 
but you know, we'll see. Uh, Gafford alone would be fine. I mean, I'm not discounting Mo Wagner, but you know, Mo Wagner kind of a uh, you know semi disposable piece. But Troy Brown was a recent first round pick for them, and uh, to get anything based on how things were going, I think is a pretty uh, you know pretty pretty good thing. Yeah, the issue with the trade was not the trade itself. The issue with the trade was the process leading up to the trade, which made the trade necessary, which was them devaluing somebody who they should have been investing in. You know, by year three, you shouldn't be saying, what is Troy Brown? You know, and and I don't think Scott Brooks was wondering for what it's worth. What is Troy Brown? I think it's pretty clear. Scott Brooks didn't think Troy Brown was somebody who was going to help. If he did, would have played him. Uh, but. <sighs> You know, you, uh, they they did not. Let's put it this way: they did not put as many as much value into developing Troy Brown as they did with someone like, say, Rui. Now, now Rui is a better player right now than Troy Brown, for sure. I mean, look at what he's doing; he's a better player than Troy Brown. But it's not exactly like this was a team, even though it was trying to win two out of the three years that Brown has been in the league, hasn't actually been successful in doing so. And it put the attempt of winning, the the possibility of winning, it's how much it wanted to try to win, it put ahead of Brown's development. And that was that was the flaw with the Troy Brown trade. It's a, it's a little bit more existential than just do you evaluate this trade and just the trade as itself. Ultimately, and- look, ultimately, it's not going to kill you. None of these guys are going to become all stars. So you look back on and they're like, oh, man, can't believe that one. You know, so 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 like one of that you mentioned um, that had Michael Lee on the podcast and uh, that went up this week. And we talked a lot. We talked at length and we talked a lot about, you know, <laughs> it wasn't exactly a positive conversation, but we try to come up with some actionable ideas, not just keep simply saying the same things over and over again. But one thing we pointed to, and he and I have had this conversation many times before, is when you play for the short term, as the Wizards do over and over again, you end up playing for this game as opposed to the long haul. And what that can do at times is you don't invest, as we're discussing, in players that you that you either invested in because like they spent a first round pick or t- on Troy Brown, just like they did with Jan Vesely, just like they did with Otto Porter and so on. And then you don't then follow through putting them in the best position, playing them where they need to be played. Or even just like when you, when you drafted in the first place, what was the vision to, to do it? And honestly, you know, without getting into all that stuff, you can go, you know, people can make fun of Jan Vesely all they want. They did not fully commit to him after his first year Otto Porter there were definitely times I obviously they invested him in the money but like there were definitely times where it was like Scott Brooks like what do you why are you playing him this way why are you not giving Otto Porter the ball when Isaiah Thomas is guarding him um in in, in the playoffs like they, they don't they, they don't you know other than like the, the the star players they seem to struggle investing in some of these guys that's why it's interesting to see Rui come aboard and that's why it'll be interesting to see what happens to Denny who's going through a bit of a, a, a of a you know slump we'll say right, right now is you know what's the next step to get them out of that but also to help them succeed and maybe they don't maybe Troy Brown is never more than what he is and that's a, then a different conversation about why to draft him in the first place but it's pretty hard to look at it and say they did whatever they could to to put it I mean he's this is only his third year I mean, it, I mean, it's you know, it's it, it's yeah, it's it's more to me. It's more of an indictment on 
the process. That it's always about the short term, not about the long term. It's about, as we've discussed, making the eighth seed rather than wait. What are we actually trying to do here? Take a big swing or go backwards the other way? You know, not not this sort of middle ground. And that's kind of feels like what they kind of are constantly in the mode of doing here uh, throughout the years. Look at you. I got you right in your wheelhouse. I got you right uh, there. It's the, you know, look, this is a pretty, it's pretty easy to team me up for this stuff. Like I, you know, I, 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 I pretty much uh, live for this stuff. But if you, if you ever do like a, a, a lost TV series after dark, you can get me in my wheelhouse on that show too. I have takes, but <laughs> I don't, I don't know if you're into that one. So, um, should we take a Twitter question? Uh, you asked them, so you might as well. I did ask them. I am going to take a Twitter question. You know what? I'm going to take a group Twitter question. Because shockingly, as I've said on this podcast before, my... Oh, wait. I had a name for this segment, didn't I? I think the name of the segment was taking Twitter questions and answering them on the podcast. Should I? I'm. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to come up with a jingle for next week. We're going to run it right before I take Twitter questions and answer them on the podcast. We're going to call it taking Twitter questions and answering them on the podcast. Uh, shockingly, every time I tweet anything that has anything to do with the Wizards, I get 900 people texting me or, or tweeting me about Scott Brooks. And I had to stop looking at my mentions, not because of that, but because Twitter is incredibly toxic. And shockingly, toxic Twitter culture carries into fans who are pissed off with their coach of a losing team. Uh, and so I have a million questions here about Scott Brooks and Scott Brooks's future employment. And I'm going to gel them into one. And uh, I'm going to ask you, Ben, what, what do you make of Scott Brooks this season? And what do you make of his five years that he's been here with the Wizards? Wait, can I just tell you we have breaking news? I just got followed on Twitter by Greg Olson, the former Orioles pitcher, who was who the was reliever? a rookie of the yeah the rookie of the year in '89. I mean, unfortunately, he's going through some tough medical situation, and I just followed him. But like, he just followed me back, and it just reminded me of when I was a kid at one point rooting for that guy. Greg um, Olson, not the tight end. You're sure it wasn't correct. the tight end, Greg, Greg Olson? Yes, he just retired. Uh, longtime Panthers. Yes, Greg Olson, the Orioles pitcher, who had this ridiculous curve that the the classic twelve to six curve was. Uh, he, with him and Ben McDonald, I thought we were going to win World Series year after year. That did not happen. Um, what do I think of Scott Brooks this year? You really are just trying to like get me going here. Uh, you know, it, it's probably not a complete fair thing for me to say because I'm not in, you know, for the first time really in the last, you know, it's certainly the Scott Brooks era and really for a long time, I'm not remotely in the day to day. Obviously, the pandemic has something to do with that because even last year when I was covering the football team, I was still going to pretty much every home game, you know, as many as I could make at least. And and more invested this year, obviously, I'm, you know, not going to any games. So not around the team, not around the players. And then. Even more than that, you know, just, you know, the, the world is weird and I've just been focusing on my, my, my day-to-day job. That said, obviously, I do pay attention. And, you know, to me, it's a lot of the same things. I mean, I think the, the rotations drive me insane. Uh, I sometimes, you know, his explanations uh, sometimes for things kind of baffle me, uh, for sure. And, you know, I, I still maintain that 
not necessarily tonight when you look at a team, as, as you said, that's missing so many guys with injuries, and they've had a lot of that at times this year. But I still maintain that there's more here that – than, than they have shown on a consistent basis. I'm not saying, not meaning they're they're a top four seed, but you know, uh, there's a team here that should be more consistent. We see them do well against better teams, and then you know, come up very small against you know teams comparable to them. Uh, and and that to me, I'm not saying it's always about the coaching staff, but when it happens over and over again, it is. So, um, you know, look, it's a tough year for everybody. I kind of give almost every single person in human a past, you know, this year when it comes to like evaluation and sports, but in his case, it's his last year of his deal. And I don't see how, based on what we've seen, how, I'm, you know, how there's any justification for saying they should move forward with this. So I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's always some positive things. I, I, I give him, I give him the fact that he's always seems to be, tam- he's upbeat um, and it's not easy, especially in that job when everybody is, constantly coming at you but at the same time uh it's it's you know i've just been scratching my head for too long to to really understand kind of what's going on sometimes yeah i mean look there are certain head scratchers i the rotational stuff here's the thing with scott brooks as a coach his strengths and this is why he's always criticized scott brooks's strengths as a coach are in the subtleties that people don't really see And that's not the public's fault. It's people like us. It's our jobs to make sure people get as much of the full picture as possible. But even we can't always do that because we don't even get the full picture. We get more of a picture than people who aren't around the team all the time. But especially during a year like this, I mean, I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, but I try not to bring it up too much because I don't want to sound like I'm complaining because I get to watch the NBA every day. That's my job. It's pretty freaking cool. You know, um, so I don't want to sound like I'm complaining, but, you know, it's it's a lot harder to do our job right now during the pandemic where we are not in locker rooms. We're not on the court. We're not talking to people. We just talk to people on Zooms. I mean, you know, a, a, a Zoom is like what what percentage of of reporting would you say that press conferences are like group media availabilities like the Zooms? I mean, it's it's such a small percentage of what goes into being a good reporter, right? And telling a full story. So much of it is background and conversations and being able to see things in person. You know, I used to have a journalism teacher who used to say, your two best sources are your two eyeballs. And our eyeballs are just shaded over right now, you know, because we're just we're not around stuff to see things. We're not at practices where we're not seeing those sorts of things. You know, I wrote an anecdote I was really excited about with Bradley Beal about a year and a half ago where I talked about a fight that Beal and Tom, a verbal fight that that Beal and Thomas Bryant got into at practice in the start of training camp in 2019. And I didn't know that because of sources. I was just there for it. And I, I built up enough trust with those guys where I was able to then go and and talk to those guys about that one-on-one and ask them what that was like for them and kind of learning through. You know, I was able to write the story about Beal teaching through conflict, and they were both cool enough to talk to me about it really openly, and, and it, it was super cool, both of them, to be able to do that. And that kind of stuff you don't get. And what I'm getting at is I find it very difficult to evaluate that part of coaching this year, because that's something I, I try to keep an eye on. And I find it 
I just find it difficult to evaluate coaching through press conferences. And the stuff that we see with Brooks is just, those are his more obvious flaws, right? Like the rotation stuff, which, you know, we were literally just talking about Jerome Robinson, the inconsistency with Garrison Matthews. Um, you know, that kind of stuff is, is obvious. Their, their defense has, has lacked principles. I, I, I genuinely don't know who deserves, like, I, I don't know what the pie chart looks like that for that. You know, I don't know how much of that is Brooks. I don't know how much is Mike Longabardi, uh, who's their defensive coordinator. I don't know how much of that is, is Robert Pack, who, who is, you know, a very high up assistant for them or Tony Brown, who's a very high up assistant for them and so on and so forth. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know, but ultimately Brooks is a head coach and they've consistently been a bottom five defense that has lacked principle and lack cohesion and lack defensive communication. The head coach has to take some of that too. Um, at the same time, I think he has been a really good coach for, say, Thomas Bryant. I think he's been a really good coach for Thomas Bryant in his development with the way that he communicated how to turn him into a role man and a screener and then built out his role, turned him into more of a three-point shooter. Uh, I, I think we've seen Thomas Bryant grow. I think we've seen him how to learn how to play the game in a way that's fit him and been specific to him. I think he's been good for him. I think he's been good for Rui. Uh, with the way that he's kind of constantly had faith in him and talked to him. You know, he wasn't a good coach for Troy Brown. Uh, you know, I think we look, we kind of look black and white at coaches. He's not, somebody asked me recently, is he getting extended? He's not getting extended. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to say what I think is going to happen after this season because I'd rather just say that I'm not saying than say something and, and be wrong. Uh, cause as a reporter, I have a little more at stake there than just like random person talking. But, um, but you know, even I think kind of it, part of it depends on, on what they want to do this off season too, like what direction they're going to go in and what they're going to try to do next year. And are they going to tear it all apart or are they going to go and try to win? And it's just too early for me to know on that kind of stuff with any sort of certainty. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen on that front. But I don't know. That's my long, winding, more nuanced answer on on Scott Brooks this year because I I almost never like with there are very very few coaches who I believe is like that guy is a good coach independent of the situation. You know, I thought Brooks did a not. I thought Brooks not didn't do a good job two years ago because that team's chemistry was bad and they didn't play hard and it wasn't just him. The personalities on that team didn't work. That was the the year where they had, you know, the practice where everybody was angry at everybody and it all got out and John Wall cursed him out and got fined for it and, you know, all that stuff, right? And that team was just like, you know, Brooks was constantly talking about how they didn't play hard. I mean, I thought, you know, he he didn't do a great job that year. I thought he did a pretty good job last year putting together an offense that worked, uh, putting together a team where everybody came out and played really hard. I thought they played over their heads. For most of the season, I actually thought he did do a pretty good job developing talent. You know, it's just hard with context, too. Um, you know, you it's the last year of his deal. He's a lamed up coach. He has to win. It, part of it is is on the organization, too, where they're saying you got to win. So he's not going to be as comfortable playing a 21 year old. You know, it's just like so much of this stuff steeps into other parts of the organization and. It's it's hard for me with most coaches to say, 
you know, short of Greg Popovich, Nick Nurse, Eric Spolstra, Rick Carlisle, Tom Thibodeau, I think is is really great. But even Tom Thibodeau is situational and has like these massive, these massive seemingly never going to be fixed flaws, you know, with overplaying players and that kind of stuff. So um, I don't know. Is that too politically correct? Is that too diplomatic, Ben? Probably, but that's why I'm here to be the <laughs> asshole. So it's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I will just say this, like a, a lot of this, you know, these things come down to personality as well. Like I, I, one of the, like a turning point for me with Brooks, his first year here, they win 49 games. They get the game seven of the Eastern Conference uh, semifinals. Um, you know, it's, it, you know, there were still some concerns going forward because you would, you know, they just traded away the, you know, first round pick to get Bogdanovich and get, get rid of Nicholson. So that was going to be a hit. I mean, the, the Mahimi thing was already looking dicey and all that, but okay, still you had this team, um, you know, that was coming off, off this high. And to me, this was the moment Scott Brooks would never, was never going to have more power most likely, or he had, he had as much power right then as you could possibly get realistically. And, and, and this is where we get four years later. You talk about that team a couple years ago that just really did not, you know, the chemistry wasn't there. I, I just think, you know, Brooks, if you talk about his flaws among them is he lets his star players get away with a lot of stuff. Russell Westbrook is a classic example, both places he's had him, And I think that happened here too. And he had the opportunity to rein some things in. And I think if, I'm not saying it's all on him by any stretch of the imagination. There's an owner, there's a GM and all that, but like he himself had a lot of that juice because of all these things. I mean, and he didn't, it's not, it's, I guess ultimately it's not seemingly in his nature to put a foot down and really to say, Hey, buddies, guys, this is how we're doing things. I know we just came in here. We did some good stuff, but this is what we're going to do. And if you have an issue with it, you know, what do you want me to tell you? I'm the coach. I got four years left on my deal. I'm making good money. I'm good. You want to get me, you know, get me fired. Go ahead. But I'm here. We're not going anywhere. And we, we, we want to go to another level. We can do it, but this is how we're doing it. And he didn't do that as far as I can tell, based on everything that's happened since. And, you know, I, I just think, some of it's a personality thing. And, and yeah, there is something to be said for the whole organization as a whole, as I just mentioned a few minutes ago, but I mean, for him specifically, that to me was a big, uh, a big turning point. And, you know, he had the chance, I think, to really set the tone for whatever it is that he envisioned. But ultimately he just is the guy that kind of lets his stars do what they do. And I think that's kind of why we got to where we are. You got anything to plug before we wrap? Uh, Mo Wagner's brother just airballed the potential go-ahead shot like inside of 10 seconds left in this UCLA Michigan game. That's not a plug. That's just an update. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, I have a podcast, Standing Room Only. Go check that out. I did talk about the Wizard this week, but mostly it's uh, the football team. The NFL draft is happening. Uh, if, you're into the, if you're into the draft, come listen. Go check it out. Go subscribe to The Athletic. You can subscribe for $1 a month if you go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. $1 a month. It's such a good deal. If you are listening to this podcast, you enjoy this podcast, you've listened to this podcast for this long, for like 40 minutes, go subscribe to The Athletic. You get a full subscription to The Athletic, not just the wizards, not just my work, not just Ben's work, everything, MLB, NBA, WNBA, NFL, NHL, all of it, everything we cover. 
You get everything if you just go to theathletic.com slash wizards after dark and you sign up for one dollar a month. Theathletic.com slash wizards after dark. Tell your friends about the podcast. If we go. Always, always welcome in new listeners. Uh go rate it if you really like it. Go to uh go to iTunes, leave a review, give us five stars. That always helps a ton. Uh and that's it. I'll be back with another episode uh, maybe later this week. If not, then I'll do early next week. Um, I'll figure it out. Either way, whenever it is, I'll talk to you guys then. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.